She's been called one of the most prolific songwriters you've never heard of. I'm Susan Wallner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Today I have joining me Arlene Corsano, Rose Marie McCoy's friend and biographer. I'm going to start with a recording of Rose that my guest Arlene recorded before Rose's death in 2015. I was born in Oneida, Arkansas in 1922. Well, I was raised up in the country on a farm. We raised uh, cotton and corn and potatoes. And all of us worked in the fields until time come to go to school. And I lived in the, the shack, the tin-top shack, just plain wood. It wasn't even painted. And uh, that's, that, that's what it was like. In fact, I wrote a song about it called Greenwood. I was born in a shabby little tin-top shack. When the winter wind blew, it creaked and cracked. You see how that rhymes? In an open field, down on the farm. First thought I heard that I understood. Papa chopping down trees while my toting in wood. Is it okay to call her Rose, or is it always Rosemarie? Oh, Rose. Rose, we called her Rose, Rosie. Okay, good. Welcome, Arlene Corsano. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Tell me about meeting Rosemarie. I mean, she grew up in Arkansas. You're from New Jersey, right? Right. What inspired you to write her biography? Well, I met her at a party Maxine Brown was having. I was working with her. I had written a show uh, that, that she had done with two other singers. Can, and, you, can you tell me who Maxine is? Oh, Maxine Brown is a singer. She's very big in the, in, especially in the '60s. She sang. Maybe people would know. Oh no, not my baby. Um, funny. Uh, she had she had a lot of hits um, back in then. In fact, one by Rosemary McCoy, which is called um, "We'll Cry Together." So um, that's how I met her, and that's how I learned about about the about her singing career first really she had a, a singing career made records and, and she had a, wi- a lot of wild stories and she would just entertain us with her stories and then later little by little I found out how much of a writer she was so what was it that inspired you to say I've got to write her biography well I said the acts the opposite really I said she kept saying to everybody, she used to call me Arlena. And she said, Arlena's going to make me famous because I wrote a, a piece about her for a, a local newspaper. And she kept telling everybody that. And I said, Rose, you have to stop saying that because I don't know how to do that. I'm an ex-school teacher. What do I know about writing a book? I, I, and, I, and I realized that was a big production. And she kept telling people I was going to do that. She says, because if I keep saying it, you'll have to do it. And I tried to get other people who wrote about the music of that era. And it was just that they said too difficult because she wouldn't stay on topic a lot of times. She'd switch topics, you wouldn't know. But I spoke to her 
after a while I was talking to her every single day and I, we'd be together a couple of times a week and doing other shows. I wrote shows that she sang um, with other people on stage because she was a great entertainer. And, and finally, I couldn't find anybody. And I said, well, I guess I have to do it. I, 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 was, I was interviewing her and taking you know, her stories in so I could give it to somebody else to write the book. And when I realized, as we were both aging, that maybe this isn't going to happen unless I do it. And, and I, I love doing I, I tried to put it all in her words because she put things so well. But I, I realized I couldn't. I had to put things in context of what was happening in the era. And, and that's what I did. And it was a lot of research and that I enjoy. So it was a lot of work. It took a long time, but, but it was also very enjoyable. So tell me, what what was it about Rosemarie McCoy that made her so special? And who were the people who sang her songs? Who are the people who recognized, this is a good song, I want to sing it? Well, she, what made her so special? It's kind of hard to... Uh, to explain her she was she was funny she had a great sense of humor she was very kind and very sweet and she could meet you for the first time and she would act like she knew you forever but she was also tough she also had stories where she couldn't hold a grudge she might not like somebody but she'd want to punch them instead and here was this sweet woman with a, you know a sweet little voice and and, and, you know, and she was beautiful when she was young. And, she, and here she was ready to beat people up. And she did at times have to when she started singing uh, in the 40s up in New York and, and different places around that she met some pretty tough people. And she, and she knew how to, you know, she broke one guy's arm one time because he was, he was threatening her. Wow. And also had ruined her dress. So she, she loved <laughs> She was beautiful. She loved to dress and she loved to go out. And, and she was just great fun to be with and just had a, such a personality that uh, you know, they used to call the personality girl. One of the songwriters that she would write with used to call her the effervescent one. She said, well, he'd say, where's the effervescent one? And that's what she was like. Even when things were bad, she, she was just a very good, kind person. So who were some of the people she wrote for? I mean, I, um, I mean, I've heard so many names, and, and they really span generations. I mean, there's Elvis Presley, Dizzy Gillespie, but there's also Bette Midler and James Taylor. Right, Nat King Cole, and Ike and Tina Turner, a Little Willie John, Big Maybell. A lot of these are not names now, but they were big names back then. But they, they were maybe in rhythm and blues, um, which wasn't played in the 50s on the on the radio. Like Ruth Brown, she had a lot of number one hits, and Rose wrote one of them. But she wasn't played on major radio stations until they started playing rock and roll. And Alan Freed, this disc jockey, came and he he started playing it, and he had the most famous radio show in the the nation because it was syndicated. And he got a lot of this stuff out. So they would actually not play songs that she had written just because they were written by a black woman? Well, not because they were written by, because Elvis Presley, he would get on the big, the major radio stations. 
but rhythm and blues, especially in the early 50s, was not played on major radio stations. And it wasn't sold in most record stores either. So Ruth Brown would make a song like Mambo Baby and and somebody else would come by weeks to months later when they saw that Mambo Baby was becoming a, a hit by a black artist. They'd get a white artist to cover it and that could get played on major radius. The same song, sometimes they changed, you know, they changed the melody, sometimes they even changed the words. But it Rose made out because now she has the same song out by two, three, sometimes five different, you know, um, uh, singers. And she's getting money for all of that being the songwriter, but the original singer lost out. I see. I see. So Rosemarie McCoy actually was able to make a living. She did well for herself. That very, very well for herself, especially in the in the fifties. And she was still doing well in, in the sixties, but they didn't know a lot of writers didn't know how to write rhythm and blues, which is also rock and roll. The what they were calling rhythm and blues is rock and roll. It's got the same beat. The early early rock and rollers will We'll give credit to people like Louis Jordan, who was a black um, singer from the 60s, but he was deemed, was called rhythm and blues, which meant the record was uh, was not to be played on major radio stations. It was, you know, it wasn't like, it, it was too black for some radio station. Right, right. So, so that's why you called your, your book, thought we were writing the blues, but they called it rock and roll, and this is her story. She thought she was writing the blues. Right. That's exactly what she said. I took it from what she said. She says, well, we thought her and, and the other uh, songwriters, the black songwriters she wrote with, we thought we were writing the blues because it is the blues. It's blues chord pro progressions. It's um, it's a heavy backbeat, which you didn't have in, let, let's say, Patty Page songs that would be more like waltzes, like one, two, three, one, two, three. But uh, rhythm and blues had a heavy... Uh, syncopated rhythm so normally with the heavy accent where the singer might put it on when you clap you clap on the off beat and that's what black music is about that's uh, that's uh, what came from from africa the the um, enslaved people from africa brought with them to this country and a lot of our music is based on that from mambo to blues rhythm and blues rock and roll because 53, you weren't really having this, but when more and more people became interested in this, the music and when Elvis Presley started performing, it was really rhythm and blues that he was doing. He loved uh, the black music. And, and when he covered some of those records, like Hound Dog, which was first done by, by a black woman, uh, he did one of Rose's songs was uh, tr Trying to Get to You. And uh, it was first done by a black group and he found the record and he liked it and he recorded it and he recorded very close to the original records, not like Pat Boone who would change the, the beat and, you know, it, it sounded very white, I guess. Um, if if you, you go on the Internet, you can hear. Uh, a black artist doing one song and then a white artist sometimes and you see what it you know what a difference they were trying to bring it back to the uh, you know different beats and not 
not so syncopated and, and you know, kind of uh, sometimes they even changed the lyrics too, to, to make it uh, very acceptable. You know, it was a very um, puritanical time, the 50s. So what was it about Rose's music that, if you were going to say, was her signature? Like, what was it that, that really jumps out and says, this is a Rose Marie McCoy song? She wrote in so many different styles. You can't, you know, pinpoint her because she wrote jazz. If people know Jimmy Scott. Um, and his songs are so much different than an Elvis song or an Ike and Tina Turner song. So she wrote blues for, um, you know, for blues singers. But if she had to write a song, and Patti Page did a song of hers, um, uh, and, and a lot of a lot of different singers. Somebody said Al Bell, who used to be president of Motown, and he's a, a past owner of um, Stax Records, which was very big uh, back in the 60s, 70s. He said of Rose, she could write in any style, which was something that a lot of writers couldn't do. They wrote, you know, pop style, you know, like catchy tunes, simple melodies. Rose could write uh, jazz, Rose could write, uh, you know, all, all different styles. So they usually put her in the rhythm and blues, the, the Ruth Brown kind of uh, jumpy, uh, early, early sort of rock and roll, but, but more bluesy. They usually put her in that because a lot of her big hits were that style in the beginning. But you have to hear her, either she wrote gospel for Shirley Caesar and she wrote a lot of gospel. She didn't even put a lot of it out there, but she wrote in all styles. She yeah. sounds so prolific, so inventive, like always writing. Yeah, she, she, she would write sometimes, she said three or four songs a day, would go in the morning and she would meet Charlie Singleton. She wrote a lot of songs by herself, but she wrote with Charlie Singleton, who was a top writer. Um, he did Strangers in the Night, um, a lot of other songs. And they would write three or four songs in the morning, and the publishers would go to this restaurant where they were, you know, they used as their office in the beginning, and she'd sell it, and we'd just sell them right there. Wow. I got me a 19-year-old jitterbug, and all my neighbors get jealous when they see us hug. I left my house this morning about half past three. They all hushed their windows and started peeping at me. They ought to stop dipping in my business. They ought to stop dipping in my business. Because I'm old enough to do just what I want to do. Rosemarie McCoy is not that well known, and you've done a lot to sort of make sure that her story is remembered, including getting her inducted into the Arkansas Hall of Fame. Do you see that she's being remembered? Do you, do you see people seeing the importance of her and her, her journey right now? Yes, I do, because when I first went on the internet to find out about her, I could only find maybe her songs, but there was nothing about her. And now I see things that I wrote, things from my book, things that I wrote online. Other people are writing about them. Uh, the New York Times uh, did her obituary when she, when she passed in, in 2015. And 
most people thought Elvis, people from Elvis Presley music uh, thought she had passed on years ago. They didn't think she was even around. And, and so I, they learned about her from, from me. And I, I, I've done other things. I'm making a 15 minute video and it's, it's for, for school children about her because her story is so inspirational and that she did it on her own. Not only was she very poor and in the, you know, the forties she came up here to be a singer and she was, you know, and a female to go into writing that, uh, you know, I think her, her story should be out there just because of that. But she was an independent writer and that hurt her. If she had worked for Motown, in fact, I spoke to somebody who was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I spoke to her about Rose, and she said, she's not in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I said, no, she's not. She says, I can't believe that. She has four times as many hits as I did. And she's the woman who let the rest of us women know we could do it too. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Arlene. This has been really great talking to you. And uh, I think it's really great the work you've done to help people remember Rosemary McCoy's like really important work. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This is just another way of getting out there, and I, I thank you very much. Musical historian Arlene Corsano, author of Thought We Were Riding the Blues, but they called it Rock and Roll, will be at the Puffin Cultural Forum on July 26th with singer Audrey Martels. They'll be doing a program called 40s to the 60s, A Musical Story. To find out more, visit puffinculturalforum.org. To find out more about all of the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Susan Wollner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening. What is one of your favorite songs of hers? Oh, wow. <laughs> you have so um, many. Oh, I really, I really do. There is some, I, I love one Sarah Vaughan song, Love Don't Live Here Anymore, because it tells a story of, uh, you know, the steps coming loose, the paint's peeling off, uh, nobody seems to care, it's our house, but I hate to come home, Love Don't Live Here Anymore. Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.